Uh, good morning and welcome to all of you. I know that many of our uh, church family members are away on holiday and I, I know that many of you are visiting, uh, visiting uh, from far away. So thank you so much for coming and joining us um, today. Uh, we've had this great service, uh, the, the, this reading from Genesis all the way to Luke. Uh, let's pray that through all of it, that God will speak us this morning, speak to us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you came to be a baby, to be a man who dies for us. And Lord, we pray that the same spirit that filled Mary will fill us today, that we might hear your word, that you might be born, that we might be, born, we might be filled with praise and joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one Christmas season, carolers arrived at C.S. Lewis's office in Oxford singing, as we will do tomorrow uh, evening. And one of his colleagues turned to him and said something like, aren't you glad that we now know that miracles don't happen? And he responded saying, how is that? Well, his friend answered, to take the story of virgin birth. We know that such a thing couldn't happen. We now know uh, that, 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 that there must be a male sperm. But St. Joseph, who's he? asked Lewis's friend. He was the husband of Virgin Mary. If you read the story of the Bible, you'll find that when he saw his fiancée was going to have a baby, he decided to call off the, uh, the, the marriage. Well, I mean, of course, we know a lot more about how babies are born. We know about DNAs, we know about X and Y chromosomes and, and uh, in vitro fertilization. But Lewis was pointing out that people have always known, people 2,000 years ago, even back then, they knew that it took a man and a woman to have a baby, that what was being described here was a miracle, that people took it as a miracle. But it's not just C.S. Lewis's days. People still doubt the virgin birth. Yesterday, if you looked at New York Times, uh, Nicholas Kristof wrote an article called Prof, Was Jesus Really Born to a Virgin? Because many people think that that was just a myth, myth that people believed uh, when people were naive 2,000 years ago. They believed anything. But that's not true. People back then, they were quite discerning. Actually, Mary, in our story, is quite discerning. Look at Mary's reaction to angel Gabriel. When the angel appears to her, she, verse 29, is greatly troubled and wonder what kind of a greeting it might be. She's troubled and perplexed. And that word, wondered, actually, is not the greatest translation. Uh, it's, uh, it's to think and to deliberate, uh, to, to discuss. The ESV translates it as try to discern what this meant. This isn't a picture of a person who's checked out her brain, who's just not thinking anymore and who believes anything. This is a person who's weighing things down, right? Thinking with their mind. And that's why she's also terrified, because angels don't appear every day. When she sees an angel, she's terrified, and the angel has to say, don't be afraid. That's the first thing that the angel says to Mary. And see the question that Mary asked the angel when she's told that she would give birth to a child. She doesn't just go, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'm going to have a child. She asks instead, verse 34, how will this be? How will this be since I am a virgin? In, in, in uh, words of a friend of mine, he says, the first person who had a problem with the virgin birth was Virgin Mary because she didn't know that this, how this was going to happen. 
She knew that this was unbelievable. So God explains. The Holy Spirit will come onto you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. For no word of God will ever fail. Friends, the description here isn't a description of a natural event. Christmas as we come to it, is a God event. It's a supernatural event. It's an event that confirms that there's something outside of nature, something outside of what we see and what we we can verify. It's an event that says God is here and God loved us, that God entered in this world, into this world and became a human being to solve a problem that only God could solve, that we couldn't do ourselves. That's why Mary is called the Virgin Mary in this text three times, not to emphasize her moral purity, but to say that actually Mary, uh, uh, Jesus is God's son, that God had come into this, uh, this world, born of the Holy Spirit, the Most High. He's the Word made flesh. And I know how unbelievable that sounds. You might be like C.S. Lewis's friend, who has already ruled out the possibility, as you hear this, that there can be something outside of nature, that God could become a human being. And your how will this be is more like, actually, this can't can't be. And if you've joined us today, if you've joined us today, if you're, this is one of you, uh, and you've joined us today, just really, I'm really thankful that you're here. You're very welcome here. But I wonder if you could doubt a bit more like Mary. Right? Mary asks because she's still seeking answers. Doubt that's still open to the possibility of God, uh, the things that only God can do. That's what Mary was doing. Lord, how will this be? And that's what we affirm in Christmas. A whole other possibility that God, who has created the whole universe, has become a fetus, spent nine months in this teenage girl's uterus and grew and was born a helpless baby. And that's why we're here today, isn't it? Because Christmas is not an ordinary day of an ordinary birth. Christmas is a day when we celebrate God becoming a human being. It's a supernatural event of God entering and revealing himself definitively through Jesus Christ. So when this happens, Mary moves from questioning to faith. She answers in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. But notice that this isn't a saying, Mary isn't saying, oh, now I understand everything. I know exactly how this is going to happen. I know uh, this makes sense to me. Of course she didn't get it. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit will come what does it mean that the, 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 most, uh, the, the Most High will overshadow her? How, what does it mean that her son will be called the Son of God, that she is called the Blessed One? She didn't understand, not fully, but she submits to God anyway. She's willing to accept God's explanations without understanding, comprehending everything. And that's because she rightly sees God as God and herself as herself. I've, used, I've said this before, but Pastor Tim Keller uses this illustration a couple of times. Uh, he talks about when he started to think of God differently. It's when he went to a conference and the speaker said, 
if the distance between the Earth and the Sun, 93 million miles, was no more than the thickness of a sheet of paper, like this, the distance between the Earth and the Sun, then the distance, distance from the Earth to the nearest stars, star would be, the stack, uh, uh, would be a stack of paper 70 feet high. And the diameter of the Milky Way, the galaxy that we live in, would be a stack of paper over 300 miles high. Keep in mind that there are more galaxies in the universe that we can count. There seems to be more specks of dust or more grains of sand on the seashore than the galaxies in the universe. And if Jesus is the God who created the whole universe and by his word the whole thing holds together, he asks, is he the, is he the kind of person you ask into your life to be your assistant? Of course, no. If, you, if this is God that you know, you would ask him to be your Lord, your master, your God. And so Mary knows who God is, and so she submits to him without understanding everything because she realizes this is God speaking. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be, be fulfilled. I wonder how you think of God or how you think of yourself. The late author David Foster Wallace makes a simple observation that we think that we are at the center of the universe mostly because we see through our eyes, right? Because we see everything through our eyes. Everything gets interpreted through our minds. And so at the center of the universe is me, the me who sees the world. And I think this is also the reason why we think that we are so much bigger than we actually are and why we sometimes think that God should be our assistant and not the other way around. And I wonder if this Christmas season, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or you're exploring, whether we could recalibrate our vision of who God is and who we are. We are God's servant. He is our master, our Lord. We ought to, uh, to submit in humility and say, may your will in our lives be fulfilled. And I know that that's not an easy thing, and it wasn't easy for Mary either. Think about what might have happened to Mary. Nazareth was a small town of, of about 400 people. Uh, people didn't move in and out of the town. Everybody in the town knew each other. Unlike uh, Sephoris and other towns nearby, it wasn't influenced by Greek culture. It was traditionally a Jewish town, traditional Jewish town. Mary would have known immediately what, what, what would have happened. At the very least, she was the, the, the subject of gossip, right? So when did they get married? When did she have this child? And is Joseph okay with that? And at worst, she risked getting stoned, right? It wasn't a practice that happened very often, but she lived in a conservative Jewish town. But she said yes anyway, without understanding everything, because God appeared to her, and she said, may your will be done. She became a model of our faith. Friends, and that's what it means to see God rightly and see ourselves in front of him. First, it means trusting in God's word. Whether you like it, whether you understand it, whether if it, even if it puts you in difficult circumstance, you trust in God's word and you obey it. And the second thing that we do 
It means trusting God when things, uh, things we don't understand happen to us. Illness, job loss, bad boss, whatever that you might be going through, it means saying in all those situations, Lord, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't even really like it, but I am your servant. May your will be done. And as she submitted to God, she was filled with joy. Because as the angels left, she realized what happened. What really happened? And she sings that famous song, starting verse 46. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. She realized what God has done, that God knew who she was, that God has exalted her, that God had given her this privilege of bearing God's son, the promised Messiah of Israel. And she realizes that all generation will recognize her as the one who is blessed. But this song that starts with the focus with her, actually it doesn't end with just a, about her. It, it generalizes to, uh, to, to everybody else in verse 50. His mercy extends to all who fear him from generation to generation. It's about whoever fears God, whoever is humble, they will be lifted up, they will be taken as, as one who are blessed. And because if you think about it, what happened to Mary wasn't for Mary. It wasn't that God was just mindful of Mary. God was mindful of all of us. As many of you know, there are other miraculous births in the Bible. Uh, there is the story of Sarah having Isaac at an old age. There is the story of Hannah and Samuel when she was not fertile. Elizabeth had John the Baptist at an old age. These are all miraculous births. And each time, arguably, these things happen partly for them, for, for Elizabeth, for Sarah, for, uh, for Hannah, uh, because part, partly there was shame in not being able to have children. Right? And God fulfilled their desire and they had children. But think about Mary. For Mary, it wasn't that she was longing to have a child. In fact, she wasn't even married. Having the child meant putting herself in a, as a, in, a, in a situation where she will be shamed. It wasn't for Mary this baby was going to be born. She had the baby so that God could become a human being for us. You see, Jesus was born, wasn't born for Mary. Jesus was born for us. He came for us. He humbled himself in becoming a baby. And 33 years later, he was crucified on the cross for us, that we might be lifted up as Mary was lifted up, that we might be filled with good things. We might receive his mercy now and forever. Friends, Jesus came for you and for me. And if you're not yet a Christian, turn to Christ. Because what happened to Mary can happen to you. What filled Mary, the Holy Spirit came upon her. If you turn to Christ, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will be born again. He will live in you now and forever. And if you are a Christian, 
I hope you realize what an incredible thing that God has done for us. What an incredible God that we believe and serve. And if we think about what God has done, wouldn't it fill us with joy as it filled Mary with that great joy? God who has been mindful of me. God who has lifted me. God who had mercy on me. And may we say in this Christmas, all of us, I am the Lord's servant. May your will be done in my life. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for being a child, being, a, being born a baby. We thank you that when we were lost from the very beginning, from, as we read from Genesis chapter 3, when we were helpless, when we were rebelling against you, when we were your enemies, you came to save us, to die for us. And Lord, help us to realize the miracle of Christmas. Help us to realize in this Christmas season who we are and who you are. Help us to realize what you have done for us, that we might turn to you and call you as our Lord and Savior, that we might be filled with joy. In Jesus' name, amen.